0: Greetings in Our Lord Jesus Christ and welcome to the audio ministry of Christ Church of Livingston County. The following are three excerpts from a covenant renewal worship service led by Pastor Dirk DeWinkle, teaching elder at Christ Church. We trust you will be edified and ministered to by the Holy Spirit through this audio recording.
1: Our call to confession this morning is from Proverbs 20, verse 2. The wrath of a king is like the roaring of a lion. Whoever provokes him to anger, sins against his own life. Here the proverb tells us that wisdom recognizes danger. When the ruler is angry, don't get on his bad side. There's more to it than that though. The one who pays the penalty, the one who dies, the one who suffers, the one who's at fault, is at fault, even if they're not technically guilty. They sin against their own life by failing to do what prudence teaches. God did not make the world a safe place, but he did give us the ability to recognize danger. You're foolish if you don't consider the consequences of your action or heed the lessons available to you by keeping your eyes open and your mouth shut. God expects us to be wise, and that means that we need to be wary. Sometimes we do get ourselves into precarious situations, and we get caught between a rock and a hard place. And sometimes that means we need to bite the bullet, pay the fine, take the hit, etc. But wisdom would look around and say, How did I get here? And how can I keep that from happening again? However you got there, you had to get there. There was a road traveled, a choice made, or a circumstance not prepared for. This proverb teaches us that we are not victims of life, but we bear a responsibility for our situations. In other words, we are responsible to learn to read the road signs of life. Ask God for wisdom. Open your eyes and proceed with caution. Life, like God, is not safe, but it is good. This reminds us of our need to confess our sins, and if you're willing and able, please kneel as we confess our sins. Thank you, ladies, for all you do for us and for our children. You are all an integral part of getting us here, and much of the time, by God's grace, you're pretty much the glue that holds our families together. May he bless you in your work and in your service. I hope today's message will be a blessing to you. So far, in Ecclesiastes, we learned first that man must look outside of himself to gain an appropriate perspective because there is no good in man. Second, that God is sovereign and the source to whom men must turn to find purpose. Third, that God alone gives men the capability to enjoy life and thus we must live by faith. And in the fourth argument, Solomon will give us instruction about how to do that. How do we live by faith? If if man does not have good in him, if God is sovereign, and God alone gives man the capability to enjoy life, then how do we do that? And that's what the whole point of the fourth argument is. As we shall see in today's text, this argument starts with a declaration of the inscrutability of of life, the fact that we can't figure it out, and a proclamation of God's sovereignty yet again. In fact, the reason men cannot figure out what's going on in the world is because God is greater than us. And we die, thus we cannot live but by faith. However, with faith, we can really live. In the next few weeks, Solomon will give us an exhortation to work, to work hard because life is short. Then he will go into a defense of wisdom and give us a series of proverbs which will instruct us about how to live wisely under the sun, which is to live by faith. And he will finish up the fourth argument by poetically instructing us in the wisdom of living through youth and old age. So let's turn to the text. As I said a bit ago in today's text, we will see that God is great. This is evidenced by the fact that we are incapable of searching out all that God does. Solomon has said this already in the book, he said this earlier. In his declaration of God's sovereignty in chapter 3, verse 11, Solomon said, God has made everything beautiful in its time, and also he has put eternity in their hearts, except that no one can find out the work that the God does from beginning to end. So there he was teaching us that in our hearts we know that there's more to life than what we see. And yet, we can't figure it out. We can't find it out. And in chapter 7, verses 23 and 24, where Solomon was giving us wisdom about living in a world with, with fallen man, with sinners, he says, all this I have proved by wisdom. I said, I will be wise, but it was far from me. As for that which is far off and exceedingly deep, who can find it out? Our text today elaborates these truths even more explicitly than what he's already done. Ecclesiastes 8, verses 16 and 17. When I applied my heart to know wisdom and to see the business that is done on earth, even though one sees no sleep night or day. Then I saw all the work of God. Wait, he just told us that he can't. I saw all the work of God. This is what he saw, that a man cannot find out the work that is done under the sun. For though a man labors to discover it, yet he will not find it. Moreover, though a wise man attempts to know it, He will not be able to find it. Even the wisest man on earth, even the wise must learn the wisdom of knowing their limits. This is Solomon's conclusion. God is greater than you and me. We can't define him because he's infinite. He is the one who defines. He is the one who sets the boundaries. And we must live in the world that He made and He governs. Which is what Solomon says in the next verse. For I considered all this in my heart so that I could declare it all, that the righteous and the wise and their works are in the hand of God. So in that world, in the one that God rules. The one that we live in this world here as we just heard we cannot find out the work that is done under the sun moreover there are various enigmas and frustrations there are are issues in the world that we just can't wrap our head around There are just things that get in the way of us figuring out what's going on in the world as we live and we die the one lesson that we need to learn is that god is great. God does everything so that we should learn to fear before him. But since God is the author and we are in his story in time, in history, life and death are what teach us this great lesson. We are are characters in God's great story of the world. So as we live and die, life and death prove what God is teaching us, that God is great. Second half of chapter nine, verse one. People know neither love nor hatred by anything they see before before them. So Solomon considered all this in his heart, so he could declare it all that the righteous and the wise are, are 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 in the in the hand of God, and people know neither love nor hatred by anything they see before them. Because God is infinite, because we can't comprehend him, life is not simple. We cannot live life without discerning, without judging wisely. This means that we cannot determine whether or not God hates us or loves us by simply looking at our lives people know neither love nor hatred by anything they see before them. We can't just simply open our eyes and say, oh, God loves me. Because sometimes, as we learned earlier, blessing is not necessarily God's love. And sometimes suffering and difficulty is not necessarily God's hatred. The world is more complex than that. So this is why we can't see what happens before us and say that God loves us or hates us. Verse 2, all things come alike to all. One of it happens to the righteous and the wicked, to the good, the clean and the unclean, to him who sacrifices and him who does not sacrifice. As is the good, so is the sinner. He who takes an oath as he who fears an oath. Because the same thing happens to everybody, We can't know whether or not God loves us or hates us by what we see in front of us. When the economy tanks, it hits both good people and bad. When the floods rise, they don't discern between the wise and the fool. And when the sun shines and the rain falls and the crops grow, they do it for everybody. This is what we can see in front of us. The same thing happens to everybody in life whether we're good or evil but in life there is evil verse 3 this is an evil in all that is done under the sun that one thing happens to all so first he's saying it's not fair that the same thing happens to everybody if you're righteous and one guy's a righteous guy one guy's a sinner and the same thing happens to both of them that's not fair that's an evil that's done under the sun But here's what Solomon says, Truly the hearts of the sons of men are full of evil. Madness is in their hearts while they live. And after that they go to the dead. In life, our hearts are full of evil. And we are crazy. All sin is madness. Especially when you take into account... That at the end of our life, we will stand before a holy, righteous, and awesome God, a sovereign God. When we die, we stand before a judge. Any sin is madness, and yet we're all full of evil. So, not only does the same thing happen to everybody in life, but at the end of life, the same thing happens to all of us. We all have a grave before us. And this is the greatest evil of all, the great leveler. This has been a recurring theme through the book. I might sound like I'm repeating myself a little bit today because he's already said all these things, but but he's building on his arguments. Earthly existence is vanity because we die, chapter 1. The wise is no better off than the fool because they both die, chapter 2. Work is burdensome because it must be left behind when you die. Chapter 2 also. As the animals die, so do men. Chapter 3. Solomon praises the dead because they no longer suffer. Chapter 4. We take nothing with us when we die. Chapter 5. Everybody dies. Life is short and you don't know what will happen after you die. Chapter 6. And the day of death is better than the day of birth. Chapter 7. And finally, last chapter, chapter 8 everybody dies. Again. Solomon is making a big deal out of this. He's not simply repeating himself for good measure. Solomon has been making an argument all along and he keeps building on his argument. Life is short. Death is inevitable. Life is vain. And this teaches us a very important lesson. Because we all die, we must turn to God in faith. Because we don't know the future, or even all the work that is done under the sun now, we must turn to what we do know. And that is what God reveals to us. Verses 4-6. through six. But for him who is joined to all the living, there is hope, for a living dog is better than a dead lion. For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing, and they have no more reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. Also, their love, their hatred, and their envy have now perished. Nevermore will they have a share in anything done under the sun. Solomon knows that death is inevitable. But here he praises life over death a living dog is better than a dead lion solomon's former pessimism about life and existence has been traded for this optimism because of the sovereignty of god in building his arguments for god's sovereignty he has laid the groundwork to add on to what he has already said before he praised the dead But here, he says, that a living dog is better than a dead lion. Before, he hated life because of all the work that he had to do. But here, he says that the living have hope. Solomon is proclaiming a gospel here. First, that there there is hope for the living. There is hope for a reward. God is sovereign. And though we may not see whether he loves us or hates us, With our eyes, we can know it with our hearts. God has revealed himself to men. Solomon had the law of Moses. He had the Psalms. And he knew the blessings of God. He built the temple and God gave him wisdom, great wisdom. And Solomon is proclaiming a gospel of faith and hope. Men are not ultimately lost until they die. The living have a hope of learning and knowing. The dead know nothing and can learn no more. Once you die, your chance is over. Nevermore will you have a share in anything done under the sun. So there's a strong sense of urgency here. Solomon is giving a rousing call to live while you have the chance, because life is short. But he goes on to explain to us what that is to look like, verse 7. Go, eat your bread with joy, and drink your wine with a merry heart, for God has already accepted your works. Solomon has already commended enjoyment, eating, drinking, and merriment, etc. He's told us that it is the gift of God. It's only by God's gift that we can have those things. We already learned that this is not because we are good in and of ourselves. In fact, we just heard again that our heart is full of evil and madness. But by faith and by God's grace and by God's mercy, we can. And here we are commanded to eat with joy and merriment, to drink and merriment. Solomon is telling telling us what our hope is based on here also. For God has already accepted your works. This is one of the clearest teachings in the Old Testament that salvation is by grace. It's the gift of God. It's through faith and not by works. God has already accepted your works. And this should have some very important outward characteristics. Verses 8 through 10. Let your garments always be white, and let your head lack no oil. Live joyfully with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life which he has given you under the sun all your days of vanity for that is your portion in life and in the labor which you perform under the sun whatever your hand finds to do do it with all your might for there is no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you are going are you alive you better celebrate white garments were the garments of festivity And the oil, likewise, was a sign of the good life. Marriage is a great cause to rejoice and celebrate also. God gives you your wife. And he does it so that you can enjoy her. Live joyfully with her. Solomon says that a saved life is a life that is relished, cherished, enjoyed, appreciated, and delighted in. A righteous life is one that is full of joy. God has already accepted your works. In God's great grace, we live in the Christian era. And we know how God has done this. We know Jesus Christ. We know his life and how God has provided payment through the true sacrificial lamb. Solomon only had the types. But we know Jesus, the Son of God, who became the Son of Man, that man might have victory over the death that makes life vain. We are now conquerors and kings in Him. We have the truly white garments of salvation, of righteousness, and the oil of the Holy Spirit in and with us. Be righteous. Let your garments always be white. Let your head lack no oil. That means live in the spirit. And that means love. Love your neighbor. Love your wife. Love your enemies. Love life. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. Life is short, but we are called to embrace it. That is what being a Christian is about. That is what wisdom in a messed up world is. Solomon started out by telling us, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Sometimes we can't see truth through the mist with our eyeballs. Much of the time, sin, evil, and death cloud our vision. But that's the point of Ecclesiastes. God doesn't make life under the sun not vain but he does make it a blessing to and for us this life is passing but rejoice in it because that is your portion learn to see with the eyes of faith learn to look through the mist to see God on the other side he is waiting there and he has an open hand and a free gift of salvation. He takes the sting out of death and the victory away from Hades. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Let's pray. Right. Our
0: message
1: this morning was in Exhortation to live life to the hilt. However, this is not possible on our own. We are not prone to this. The only way we can let go enough to live life that way is by accepting God's sovereignty and His grace. We must come to know Him and His goodwill toward us. There is only one pathway to the salvation that He offers, and that is Jesus Christ. If we want to know what it is to live life to the fullest, we must turn over the reins of our life to Him. We must learn to submit to His will in our lives. We must recognize this existence for the vanity that it is and grasp on to the true life that He offers. We get a glimpse of what that looks like in the episode of Jesus and the Samaritan woman at the well. Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Jesus gave his life to share it with us. He sacrificed his blood and his flesh that we might know everlasting life. He came to redeem us and he gives us a wedding feast. He took our infirmities, he nailed our sins to the cross and he united us to our God in peace and love. And he remains with us to the end of the age by sending his spirit. Our lives are to be exuberant sacrifices of thanksgiving and praise. Solomon's wisdom doesn't have an expiration date. He was before his time. He understood the deep things, and that means he knew how to relish life. Go, eat with joy, drink with a merry heart, wear white, drip with oil, and live joyfully with the wife, with the wife whom you love. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. In so doing, you honor your Lord. And your God, Jesus Christ, Christ's body, broken for us, let us pray.
0: Thank you for listening to these excerpts from the worship service of Christ Church of Livingston County. If you would like further information about anything in these messages, the Bible, about Christ Church of Livingston County, or wish to make any other related inquiry, please feel free to contact Pastor Dirk DeWingle through our website, ChristKirkMI.com That's C-H-R-I-S-T-K-I-R-K-M-I.com Again, thank you and blessings.